Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hello, how are you? I hope you're having a great week. I'm pretty excited about this episode because if you know a mom, are a mom, or hope to be a mom at some point in your life, this is such a good, relevant episode to listen to because there's a lot of nuance that I didn't even understand was a thing when it comes to moms and the workplace and specifically even moms and money. So I think it's really a relevant episode for so many people. If you've never heard of today's guest, Catherine Alford, she is a nationally recognized financial educator who started her business with a $10 domain name and grew it into a multifaceted six-figure digital media company. She's the creator of CatherineAlford.com, the co-founder of MillennialHomeowner.com, and author of the new book, Mom's Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss. Through her work, she offers a suite of digital products and services, including financial writing, public speaking, and influencer marketing, all with the goal of helping women become more financially confident. Over the years, her writing and expertise has been featured in dozens of media outlets, including Good Morning America, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, Huffington Post, Real Simple, Investopedia, Business Insider, and like so many more. She currently lives just outside of Detroit, Michigan with her husband and their boy-girl twins and a rescue dog named Julep. In this episode, we cover a ton of ground. We talk about why moms get treated differently by society, what finding out she was pregnant with twins was like, what it's like to run a business while being a mom and having a husband that is in medical school. The medical school journey is a very, very long one. And man, it's it's a tough road. It really is like, yes, the pay is great in the end, but it is a very long road to get to that point. We talk about Kat's process of getting a book deal. This to me is gold. It is so inspirational to hear her story of just hustle and grit and perseverance. If you've been dealing with some rejection and you're kind of beating yourself up over the the rejections. You need to listen to this segment. It is so, so good. We talk about neutral thoughts and realistic ways to work towards positivity, mindset challenges specific to mothers, why family meetings can be so helpful in the importance of having goals, having other people hold you accountable and holding others accountable, the career versus childcare dilemma. This is everything to me. If you are going through this dilemma yourself, please pay close attention to this. We also talk about advice for giving, even when you feel like maybe you can't give. 
We cover a lot of ground. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I learned a lot and I think you will too. If you did learn a lot, do me the biggest favor, share this with somebody that you think it could help and definitely leave a five-star review on whatever podcast player you listen to. It helps the show get in front of way more people and it's really awesome to see your reviews. It really makes my day. All right, let me turn the mic over to my friend, Kat Alford. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode today. I am joined by my friend, Kat Alford. Kat, thank you so much for hanging out. It's so good to catch up with you. Of course. It's so fun to see you. I feel like it's been a long time. I'm really happy to be here today. Way too long, man. It's been a crazy, crazy year and you've been hustling over the past year. Tell us what you've been up to. (laughs) Well, I had a little, just a tiny quarantine project, you know, aside from, uh, (laughs) you know, being a virtual kindergarten teacher, I did finally write a book. It's called Mom's Got Money. And uh, yeah, I spent almost eight months of quarantine writing it, finishing it. And I'm so excited that it's out now. With two little ones running around. (laughs) Like I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was honestly, like, I feel like the book saved me during that time because like I had a deadline. I had to write 60,000 words and I feel like it didn't give me much time to think about what was going on or like how you know hard it was being home with the homeschool and all this stuff. Like I just had to get through it. And almost when I was finished the book, like at that point, I was like, oh, I feel a little sad. Like, like that really pulled me all the way through to a pretty solid point in the quarantine. So I can imagine. I love the book. So tell us why this book, like, why is this so passionate for you? Well, I wanted to write a money book for mothers because I felt like a lot of the money advice geared towards moms like doesn't give them enough credit. I feel like the advice isn't high level enough. I feel like it doesn't acknowledge like how intelligent and motivated most millennial mothers are. I feel like all the mom like articles are like, "Hey, like download this app to save $5 on your groceries still." And I want to be like lean in hard. Like you guys can invest. You can like lead the money discussions at home. And just, you know, we, there are so many of our friends that you and I have that, that do give high level advice on Instagram, but I was missing it in like a solid book form that really showed moms. They already have a lot of these skills. They just don't quite realize it yet. Mm. Why do you feel like maybe the advice, the, the typical advice that moms are receiving is more superficial? Like it's, it's not, good for them. It's not very uplifting. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, I think there's a variety of reasons. I think it's cultural. I think it's societal. I think that, you know, as hard as, you know, mothers try to have like an equal standing with men, with dads, I still feel like, you know, we're sort of fighting and clawing to be treated the same in terms by financial advisors and by um, all the content that comes our way. I just, I don't think people realize like how badass moms are and that they're totally, uh, capable of being financial powerhouses. And so I think it's, I think it's the, the climate, although things are getting better and that's what, you know, that's why I work and do what I do to try to improve that. But, um, I think it's a lot of different things put together, but also the moms themselves, you know, because we get so much of that societal messaging, you know, moms question themselves. You know, a lot of studies show women don't have the same levels of confidence with money that men do, and it's all tied together. So, you know, we do it to ourselves. Society does it to us. But now um, with books like this, women can sort of take charge and learn on their own and find a good community, too. 
to give everybody context too, you're a mom of twins. Like this yes. is not, I've got kids. Part. Like these are two Rugrats the same age. Like, I cannot even imagine. Yeah. So tell us about when you found out you're pregnant with twins, what was your first reaction? <laughs> oh my gosh. I wrote about this in the book. I cursed up a storm in that um, ultrasound room. And my husband is like, you know, he's such a reserved, like classy guy. And I am like, holy shit. Like what? Like I could not stop saying bad words. And he was like, Catherine, come on. Like, (laughs) you know, I was totally shocked. Like not once did I ever expect, um, to see twins on that ultrasound screen. I definitely, you know, I, it took a few a few days. Uh, I still I feel like now they're seven. I still feel like sometimes we look at each other like, can you believe we had twins? It's so wild, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's how it went that day. It was epic. <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah, I think I'd be the same way though. That would be. It would take me about a month to wrap my head around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. It was something. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so give us some context into you and your business, how did you get started into talking about money? Like, where did this actually come from for you? Yeah, well, I actually went to graduate school for history. um, And I thought I was going to work in museums. I love research. I love people. I love human stories. And, you know, as as many graduate students are, I was just flat broke. My um, graduate school teaching stipend was like $12,000 a year. I think it was like $12,800. Oh and I remember my apartment was $500 a month and I was like, each paycheck, I was like, okay, like, what mm-hmm. am I going to do? But I also felt like I needed a creative outlet. I'm a creative person and I felt like graduate school, super, you know, it was heavy. It was detailed, a lot of historical theory. And so I started this blog on the side, just sharing my little thrift store finds, my little adventures, my first apartment, you know, trying to get a couch up the stairs, trying to get people to help me, like all the different things that I did. And um, over time, it slowly grew. And I think because I wrote about money in a way that was relatable and engaging, the site grew over time. Keep in mind, this is before blogging was a popular thing. This was 11 Mm. years ago. So I wasn't, I was one of few blogs going on at the time. And eventually I tried to start freelance writing to supplement that income. And because all the content was like, this is my graduate school budget. This is what I ate tonight. This is what I bought today. I use that as my portfolio to get some freelance writing jobs in the personal Mm. finance space. And my first job was like $8 a post. And I was like, I'm a real writer. Like, forget grad school. I am, people are paying me to write. I am legitimate. And, you know, slowly over time, you know, the $8 one got replaced by the $20 ones and onwards and upwards. And then people would contact me and say like, hey, can you write this post about mortgages? And I I had no idea anything about mortgages, but because I was a, a trained historian, I knew that I could like figure it out, read about mm-hmm. I knew I could read like hard things and kind of, that's like a, a grad school skill, right? So um, I would just figure it out and write the post and turn it in, fingers crossed. Like, <laughs> totally, <laughs> like, right? And then I just, it's so, a lot of it is self-taught. It grew from there. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually I, I grew it to a point where I was able to be self-employed, um, took took me a, a good long time to get there. It wasn't an overnight thing, but by the time I had the twins, I was able to, to leave the workforce and, and do this full time. And I love to, cause I think your story is so unique where you were the breadwinner for many, many years and you yeah, were up until like two weeks ago, <laughs> which congrats on that, by the way, that's so exciting for your husband. Thanks. 
and for you. And eat my bonbons. You know? yeah, no, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. So your husband was going into medical school, which is yeah. a very long road, a very, very long road, very underpaid during that education time. Yes. I think a lot of people don't quite understand what level of efficiency and scheduling goes into that. So like, give us some context into a normal day in the life of Kat when you were growing your business and taking care of little ones. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, the hardest years of my business were when they were, when they were born, you know, right after they were born, because with, you know, medical school and clerkship and residency, you're getting moved all over the place. So we, we moved across the country when they were five weeks old. So there was a lot of like, I mean, I had a lot of trouble just getting used to being a mom, being away from everybody. Um, but I would, I was really hardcore about scheduling their, their naps. I'd work during their naps. I'd work at night. Um, I, I was just really, really intense about scheduling things. My husband pretty much was gone all day for the last like seven years. You know? <laughs> so yeah, for like, sure. Um, honestly, the best part of his schedule was med school because he, you know, he was a student and the worst part was residency, which is, you know, the kids were three and four and you know, really didn't see him at all. Um, so yeah, I, I had um, kind of did half and half, half stay at home mom, half had a nanny until they started school. And even now I just kind of, you know, work during the day and I, I can't break the habit of working at night. Like I would think one day it might be normal, but I just am kind of a night owl and I still get work done at, at night. And Dang. that's, yeah, that's just I how it goes. That. That's amazing. Yeah. I always hear from parents that when you have kids, it usually makes you very efficient. <laughs> with your yeah. Time, you have to be. I can't believe how much time I, I I'm like all the things I could have done before, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> I know, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you just kind of squeeze it in when you can, I call it, um, like the plumber mentality. It's like, there are so many jobs where people show up, they show up and they have this schedule and they have to do their job. And just because I'm, I'm self-employed and I'm my own boss, I try to keep that that mentality, like I've got to do these things at this time, even though I can give myself a break and go sit on the back porch. I try to make myself do it as though other people are, are waiting on me. Um, cause I need that accountability to get things done. Otherwise I'm just like, la da. <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I feel that. Okay. Yeah. Give everybody some context into your book. So mom's got money is the official book that everybody can go through and read. I'm reading it myself. I freaking love it. I think it's oh, so thanks. good and it's so heartfelt. I think that's the part yeah. I enjoyed the most is that it's not just tactical information, although you have a ton of that. It also yeah. gives people a little bit more context into a holistic life. So yeah. I appreciate that a lot, but getting to publishing your book was yeah. quite a journey. Can you give everybody some context into what that looked like for you? Sure. And, I, and I'm sure you interview a lot of authors. And uh, along the way, it seems like a lot of people who have blogs or who are entrepreneurs like get a book deal. So when I mm -hmm. wanted to, to get a book deal, which is almost five years ago now, I just thought, you know, I would just write my little proposal. I'd just get a nice agent and then bada boom, I would give my book deal. But yeah, totally. even though it happens like that for people, it did not happen like that for me. I had um, just a real journey of grit um, with the book deal process. I, it took me a long time to get an agent. 
uh, after the agent, I had 20 straight rejections, just one after another for a solid year. And I would get, yeah, I would get so close. And, and um, I think three different times I got to, I think they have like these final editorial meetings with the head of publishing and, you know, I, they'd be like, we're going to this final meeting today. Like, this is it. And then it wouldn't be it. And, and then I'd have someone say, well, if you make the book about for all women, not just moms, I think you have a chance. So I'd be like, at that point, I'd be like, whatever, man. I, I wouldn't, I'd change it. I'd be like, I'll write it for all women. And then it would still, it would still wouldn't work. So after our 20th rejection, what I did was I took a step back and I um, took a break and I thought about it. And then I uh, switched literary agents mm. um, because I just sort of felt like their job is to sell the book I, I knew I could write, but I knew there was something that was not working about the proposal. And so I got a new agent with, and I had much more experience at that point too. So lots more things in the proposal. When you write a book, you have to say, I've been on these TV shows. I have this many Instagram followers. Like I know these people, these people, you know, guaranteed uh, marketing interviews for the book. And so the, the further my career went, as I'm doing it, I'm getting more gigs I'm getting more partners I'm getting more mm. um, press. And so the proposal is getting better uh, and I'm getting better as a writer, but eventually after seven more rejections with the new agent lucky number 28 took four and a half years and then in the very end i had three to choose from after all of that holy crap it's just after all of that it was such a wild thing it was such a wild journey and you know so many i had to really just focus on myself and what i wanted to do because so many friends of mine in our industry got book deals <laughs> just kept getting rejected and it's hard to not have self-doubt, but I really believed in this book and I really wanted to help moms. But I think it happened the way it was meant to happen, Whitney. Like when I started writing it, the the kids were two and now they're seven. I, I felt like I had more experience as a, as a mom to write the book and more experience in my job. A lot of my you know, views changed along the way. So I feel like it happened when it was supposed to happen. Yeah, um, It's just hard to see that as you're going through it. I cannot even imagine. I think so many people would get two rejection letters back. Like, I'm done. It's not for me. I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, switching careers. I'm going to go be an accountant. Like, I'm done. Yeah, no, like I'm just so stubborn. Like I, I knew it was volume <laughs> and, and I, I think I heard a podcast interview with an entrepreneur and that's what really, um, changed my mind. I think it was on Chris Harder's podcast. And he interviewed someone who was looking for a loan from a bank to start his business. And the 53rd bank said yes. Oh and gosh. he said, um, you know, if you would know at the beginning that number 53 would say yes, then you wouldn't care that 2022 said no and 20, you wouldn't care because you would know the yes was coming. So I believe with all my heart that the yes was there. I just didn't know what number it was. Mm -hmm. So once I heard that, I was like, dang, I can go all the way up from the fifties and I would Google like how many rejections and these, these huge books, you know, Harry Potter, you know, 20 rejections or this and, you know, chicken soup for the souls, like hundred rejections. And now it's a massive. So I would just keep like reading stories and be like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> you know? so, I love that. Yeah. Which is why I'm so excited about your book, because this is such a good thing to talk about. You have a phenomenal mindset and you talk about this a lot in your book too. And I think your mindset helped you get through all of those rejections to put this yeah. little baby out into the world. So yeah. you talk about your book as having a boss mentality. What the heck does that mean? 
Yeah, I think that I subscribe to the idea that your thoughts determine your feelings, which Mm -hmm. determine your actions and your future then, right? So I'm very big that like my thoughts are what's going to make my future happen. So if I'm always thinking like, I'm never going to get the book deal, everyone else got it, and what's wrong with me and all this stuff, like... Every time someone else got a book deal, I was like, cool, well, they're similar to me. They've been doing a similar job to me for a similar amount of time, or, you know, we write about the same level. So, cool, that means my turn must be coming. That one wasn't my turn. My turn must be coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think it's, um, it's the same way with money, too. You know, I think if you're always thinking, like, bad stuff happens to me, and we're, you know, oh, like, my bank always messes stuff up, or, like, you know, why am I always the one that this happens to? And I just, I think it's not a positive mindset. It's just more like you are in control of your thoughts, which controls your actions and actions step by step, right? 1% a day are what produces your results. So yeah, that's kind of like, you know, a tip I give people with money. It's like, I don't expect anybody to be great with money tomorrow after reading this book or just getting into personal finance. But if every single day you find your guru, you read one chapter of some book, or you listen to one podcast episode, or, you know, you watch one YouTube video, like, it's amazing what sort of knowledge you can amass in about six months. So it's, it's having a mindset, like, I can learn anything is a better thought than like, I'm not good at anything. Totally. And we're not, we're not even thinking fake thoughts, Whitney. We're not like, oh, I'm so great with money. That's too big of a jump. I'm super mm. big on like neutral thoughts. So it's not, I'm bad with money. It's like, I can learn something. You don't I have to be that. like, I'm super smart. You know, you right. know? I, my brain has the ability to learn information, the period, full stop. And huh. those are, if you're kind of getting started with thought work, some of those like kind of neutral thoughts are are a good place to, to begin. I think that's a good tip. I always, I talk with my mom a lot and my mom is currently working on her mindset. Mm. And it's one of those things where she will listen to, so she's over 50. She's listening to these, these things where it's like, Oh, Colonel Sanders started KFC when he was yes. something years old. And, that's and right. that is cool for her. But what I'm finding for her, and I don't know if you, if you, notice this as well, but it's almost like too detached for her. Mm -hmm. It's not neutral enough. It's not relatable enough for her. So she hears all these cool stories, but she's like, uh, they can do it, but I can't do it. They're one in a million. Right. And so I think it's a good place to be. It's just like, I can learn something new and then you go out and try it. Right. Your mom, she's in her fifties. Like she could go out and do a tennis lesson. Like she could go out and play ping pong. (laughs) Like she could go out and pick up a book about Japanese culture and learn something new. And it's like a book she never picked up before. Right. So I think that you, your brain's going to find all the evidence in the world of why you can't do something because right. Our brains are designed to keep us safe evolutionarily. Right. Your, your, our brains are like, stay safe, stay inside. Don't go do that scary thing. Just stay put. You're good. And so every time you're like, oh, well, maybe I could do this. Your brain's like, mm-hmm, abort mission. That's <laughs> better not. Idea. Yeah, that's just, I mean, it's just how we're all, we're all wired for survival, right? So 
you know, uh, that's why everyone feels scared when they get up to speak or like, they're like, I don't want to do a YouTube video. Uh, what's everyone going to say? Cause it's, it's scary. It's like, you're standing in the middle of a field and a lion's going to get you. That's what your brain thinks like from a primitive point of view. So yeah, I mean, and this, people use this a lot in health coaching too. Like you can't just go from, I hate my body to, I like my body. Mm-hmm. So a neutral thought they have is I have a body. And you just kind of, you have a body, you have a body and you might have to sit with that neutral thought for months before you can say, I'm working on my body and, mm. you know, before you can get there. So these are my mindset work is not this overnight thing. It's like years and years and years. I work on this. I work on this with my kids. Um, it's hard. It's very hard work, but I think it's what sets people apart, honestly who are successful. Give, give me some context into how you work on that with kids. I think this is so interesting. It's challenging with kids um, because you have to kind of bring it down to their level. And kids, just like adults, you know, they worry about things or they worry about people who don't like them or who won't play with them. And, you know, I will tell my kids, you know, do you think that's true? Or is that a story that your brain is telling you? Um, because they might have a ton of friends and they might have a, this amazing play date. And then the next thing I'd be like, oh, well, maybe that didn't go well. Like, just like grownups who go out to dinner and they're totally. like, Did I, was I okay? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> I do that all the time, right? Kids do it too. And so I'll say like, well, is that is your brain telling you a story or is that actually what happened? And, you know, it, it's hard for them. Sometimes they'll say like, well, my brain's telling me, but I can't change its mind. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know? Sweet. so I'm like, okay, this is hard for me. I'm 34. So yeah, let me try to bring it down. But <laughs> it, but it's kind of like, you know, what evidence do you have for that? What evidence do you have that your friends don't like you? Let me tell you the evidence that I saw. I saw you skipping and holding hands. I saw you playing Nerf guns. I saw you. So that's all the evidence that I said. Do you have evidence to support what you think? And when they realize there's, there's not really any evidence, I'm like, well, do you think maybe you could change that thought? Um, again, really difficult for them to do, especially, you know, just like anyone when they're tired or, you know, got to have the right moment for it. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, I, I'm like into the woo, you know, we got a meditation turtle here before bed. It says nice little stories, you know, it says you are a good kid at the end. Like, you know, we're, we're trying over here. It's, but it's, it's hard. It really is hard. I love that. Is there a reason? So is the mindset chapter, is that first in your book because you feel like that's where we all start with this work? Is is that intentional? Absolutely. I, I absolutely think so. And I really wanted to address some of the mindset challenges that mothers have, especially millennial mothers. Um, you know, a popular term that is getting more and more traction is the idea of mental load. The idea that, um, you know, there's so many mental decisions that we make and they weigh heavy. And I always give the example like of a haircut. When my husband wants to make a haircut, he makes a haircut appointment, right? When I want to make a haircut appointment, I've got to think about like five different things. Like, okay, are the kids going to be in school? If they're in school, then can I take that hour off of work? And if they're not in school, can I can I hire a babysitter for that time? Or can I just drop them off at my friend's house and it's only going to be an hour or there's a park, you know, and I just go, and then I make my haircut. Like that's mental load. Um, and it's, it is something that not a lot of dads have. And um, it's, it's kind of gaining traction. And so 
in the book, I kind of acknowledge like, look, we've got a lot going against us. We're in charge of a lot of things at all times. And we're you know, raising humans and taking care of things and whether you're a working mom or not. And so I wanted to acknowledge like, you might feel like adding on learning about money is like just this whole other thing. Like how, like it's already so heavy. How could we possibly add on one more thing? And so that's when I brought in the mindset and I brought in, you know, some examples of like, I'm not good with money. I can learn about money. And it's just some thought changes that you can make from that. Or like my parents didn't teach me about money. Again, I can learn anything about money. I'm so overwhelmed with my kids. Like, that's okay. I will ask for help, you know, and just all mm. these different mindset shifts, because I think not only will it help them with money, but just in life, day-to-day life too. I love that. I could not agree more. I think that's a very important distinction to make is that ability to learn anything, but training yourself to believe that. And I, I love yeah. that. I think that's like my favorite chapter of the book by far. But another chapter that I know a lot of people will appreciate is this conversation around family meetings around yeah. money. Like, okay, what is, do you do this? And like, what does this look like for your family? So I do it with my husband. Um, we do it uh, around the first of every month. Some people do like weekly meetings. We do monthly. That's what all we can get. <laughs> no doubt. But, right? um, I think what's sort of unique about our family money meetings and something I don't see a lot is that we always start the meetings with goals. Mm. Um, family goals. We each have like a goal list, like a dream list. And we have like kind of a combined list because sometimes I don't know if you ever had a, a budget meeting, um, but they can get a little tense sometimes, oh, you know, sure. like, you know, they get a little testy. So I like to, I I've learned over, you know, time, 15 years being together that it's good to start with goals because it reminds you that you're on the same team. And what I encourage people to do with their goals is like write down your biggest goals, like the biggest ones you can think of for your life all around and then erase them and like go bigger. I tell people, make your goals so big, like you're embarrassed to tell somebody about it. Like one of mine is I fly first class everywhere I go. And that's that's not true today, but it's like a big life goal. I like to write it in the present tense as though it's already happened. And again, like that's not really something that I want to announce like at a play date, right? Because I'm just, you know, it makes it kind of like, I don't want people to think I'm bougie, right? But that's what I mean. You kind of, you got to make them a little bit embarrassing, right? Like I, I was just talking about this on another podcast. I'm like, I want to go to outer space one day. Like I would like to take the 12 minute flight. I would like to go to the atmosphere. Like why not? So make them extra big and um, start the meeting with it. Because then once you get to the, the nitty gritty boring stuff of like, what's our, what's going on this month? How much is coming in? How much is going out? Um, what do we need to save for? How much debt do we need to pay off? Um, do we need to, you know, what kind of purchases are coming up is our six month car insurance due at least like when you get to stuff, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I'm so mad. You won't let me buy a new couch. Cause like we already reviewed that. I want to fly first class everywhere I go one day. So what's more important, right? So when you start it with the goals, it, it kind of makes it mellows out everything else afterwards. Cause you get excited and you remember why you're doing it. Good tip. I love that. So start with the goals, make them really almost a little bit outlandish where yeah, you went obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I think it's it's really smart. And then once you have that that completed, oh, I have to plug this because I think this is a good resource for people. On your website, you have this starter pack that includes a budget template, a net worth tracker, like all of this stuff too. Do you do you start to actually create your budget during this meeting? 
Yeah, well, we kind of have the same budget going for forever, right? So um, I kind of like, I kind of click a button that says like refill it in from the month before because a lot mm. of our bills remain the same. And then we just kind of go through it and we kind of go through, um, you know, how much money are in the accounts. And then if something needs to change, like, oh, like we went over eating out last month. So this month I'm going to drop this by a hundred dollars so that, mm. you know, we balance it out or like, Hey, we did so good on that. So we could like add an extra date night this month. So I kind of refill it back in, but we go through it and sort of make our choices about how we want to spend that month. It doesn't always work it. out perfectly. I almost always go over on food. And then I'm like, well, I'm just going to increase the food. And then I just still go over, you know, it's just always a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a thing. It's yeah. But I think the important thing is just to have the meeting to talk about it. And yeah. What do you do if you're in a situation where you start with your goals, you guys are really stoked about it. You're on the same page. You think those are awesome. And then you dive into the numbers and you are seeing that every single month, like it's okay to go over on a couple categories. Yeah. But if you're going over on every category. This is a problem. But what do you do if you recognize that in yourself, but you aren't necessarily changing that? Do you have any like tips or suggestions? I like to um, like switch off being the bad guy. Like maybe each week someone can be the bad guy because I felt like I was always the bad guy. Like if we made mm -hmm. it a goal, like using food as an example, and he'd be like, oh yeah, let's not cook. You want to do Thai food? I'd be like, well, we shouldn't do that. But, you know, I'm always the bad guy, right? Right. And then, but if you're both the good guy, then if someone's like, you want to get Thai food, you're like, definitely. I wouldn't want to cook either. Somebody has to be the bad guy. And it's not fair for the same person to always be the bad guy. So, you know, I would, if you're having trouble sticking to it, you have to use that accountability of, of your partner. And if you don't have a partner, I, in my book, I suggest, you know, get your sister in it, like get your cool friend from work. That's also like, you know, hip single chick and like you guys do it together. Or let's say you're a single mom with teenagers, like have your teenager in or, you know, have somebody else. It's, it's really important to have another person, whether you have a partner or not, that's just kind of keeping tabs on you. Again, going back to accountability, like we all, we all need it, right? Yeah, we do. Well, some rare unicorn people don't, but most people do. Um, so if you're having trouble sticking to it, um, I think in most categories, it's more like a self-control thing or like seeing a great deal. You got to recognize your own triggers and be really in tune with yourself um, mm -hmm. and why you do what you do. And we're not talking about beating ourselves up. We're like, oh, yeah, I did go over that category. That's because I had that really stressful day at work. And then I hit up TJ Maxx and it was just I wasn't even thinking I was blinded by the sales. And then ah. so, you know, it's like next time I have a bad day honey, could you remind me or could you like bring me a cup of tea or like remind me a different way to use a coping skill for that? So again, lots mm -hmm. of communication. And if it's really bad and you're always over, well, then that's a whole other, right. That could be an income problem. If, if not a spending problem. Totally. Too. That's a good point too. I mean, there's so many different angles that could go from is maybe practicing the mindset. If yeah. you have like a mindset that you can't stick with that budget for whatever reason, yeah. Yeah. there could be some like, limiting belief there. Totally. Yeah. If you're always thinking like, oh, I suck at budgeting. I can never get it to work. Nothing. Right. You know, I've tried three different types of budgeting. I've tried an app. I've tried this. None of it works. Again, I think that's a great, great piece of advice is to work on the mindset piece. It's like, I can make, I can make a budget. Right. <laughs> exactly. I can Start create there. one and maybe that's the neutral thought. It's like, I can put it on paper and then, then eventually working your way to like, I can stick to it. I love this. When you do your, your family budget meetings, 
one time per month is what you guys are aiming for now. Is this like when kids go to bed? Is this first thing in the yeah. morning? Like, how, how do you structure this? It's it's usually when kids go to bed with like a glass of wine. Um, I I don't I'm happy to talk about money and stuff with our kids, but normally we have to make like bigger conversations about things, and um, I, we just don't want to be interrupted. Really, is the thing. <laughs> I don't it's like you. during the day we can barely get one sentence out without being interrupted. It is. It's, it is the seven-year-old plague, but um, so yeah, we usually do it when they're asleep for that reason. How long are these meetings typically? Well, usually last like it just kind of depends on what we're we're working on, and sometimes they're really fun. Like we're going on our our first trip in a long time. Like we've gone um, back home for weddings and you know obviously what weren't traveling the last year so then it's kind of like well once we do our budget meeting like let's let's pick what we're gonna have for dinner on our trip or something so we try to end it with something fun you so know? smart yeah where are you going on your trip we're gonna do like in mexico all-inclusive just yeah just something nice i <laughs> to love mark, this to mark maybe we to celebrate the book and him graduating and all the all the yeah. thing all the hard work so are the the little ones coming with Yes, they're going to come. So fun. That's excited. I'm stoked for you. Okay, so that gives us some context into, like, structure of hold each other accountable. I know one of the things that you write about in your book, too, is this whole child care versus career dilemma and how this shows up for moms. What what does that look like? Well, I have to say, like, that was one of the hardest chapters for me to write, mostly because I really want to make sure I came across the right way. And I had multiple people read it for me. I'm like, do I sound like a jerk in this? Do I sound like I'm picking sides? Like, I was, I really wanted to give the information while um, kind of maintain neutral, right? Because I always kind of mm. considered myself, again, half and half. Like, I don't work more than 30 hours a week. I always pick up my kids from school at 2.30 or from camp or whatever. So, like, I'm, I'm around. So, I always, I kind of felt like sometimes a stay-at-home mom, sometimes a working mom. And so I didn't want to make it sound in that chapter like I was like pro-working mom and everyone should work um, Mm. because I have several friends who are stay-at-home moms and are like really happy doing that. Um, So in in that chapter, what I really wanted to get across was I wanted to challenge the notion that I hear all the time. And that is when moms say, well, I'm just going to leave my job because my paycheck equals daycare anyway. Yes. I hear this all the time. This is one of my big pet peeves. And so I wanted to make sure and take people step by step through why that is not exactly the case, Mm. because you cannot compare your net income to a daycare, right? If you're going to take five years off, what does that look like if you had an employer match? What is that five years of lost investing time you know, or, or are you going to get like a spousal IRA? Are you still going to be investing in retirement while you're a stay-at-home mom? Because most don't. And, you know, what kind of benefits did you have? Like, uh, did you have health insurance or was that through your spouse? Like what, there's other stuff in your paycheck, um, even just, you know, your social security payments and all that building up to when you're older. And so I wanted moms to really run the true numbers, which is hard. Like, does your job give a 5% raise every year? Like, would you have been eligible for a promotion? It's, and I understand for a lot of people it's emotional, but it would really suck to make that choice, be a stay-at-home mom, and then all of a sudden you're struggling because you have to buy health insurance or 
then you realize like, oh, like I might have a million dollars less in retirement because of this. Um, and then, you know, if you're too tight on your budget because you didn't practice living on one income or because it was too tight, well, now you can't do fun stuff like spend $300 on an annual museum membership or like enroll your kid in music class. So there are a lot of numbers to run. And that's a, that's what I mean about elevating this conversation for moms. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as daycare versus my paycheck. So I want to take people through that. And um, in that chapter, I also encourage, you know, stay-at-home moms to to put a babysitter in their budget. Like everyone else gets a day off. You know what I mean? For sure. So um, don't, don't feel bad about taking an afternoon a week to go just stroll through the aisles of home kids if you want. Like, Absolutely. I, it's again, this is, there's a mental health aspect to it too. I shared um, a story in the book when I had a total babysitter fail where I had these five national radio interviews for a huge client that I just said yes to. Cause I was like, I will figure it out. Like I had just moved <laughs> and I like somehow found a babysitter. She, she just slept through her alarm, didn't wake up. And I had my two year old twins. I ended up giving all these radio interviews on the porch while they banged on the window, sobbing, crying. <laughs> Cause I was like in mommy jail and I am on the, like NPR being like, hi, I'm Catherine Oliver. Thank you so much for having me. And the kids are losing their minds inside. <laughs> Luckily they're like, you know, four or five minute like bursts. So I'd run in and be like, I'm okay, mommy's okay. Here's a new show. Back to the porch. Oh my god. You know, and it's like it's crazy. <laughs> right. So um I kind of share that story to say, like, you know, I get it, man. <laughs> it's so tough. It's hard to find good childcare and to if you want to have a job, you know, it, again, this is the mental load thing. A lot of these choices, decisions fall to moms. And um, it's all part of the puzzle of us feeling overwhelmed and, and trying to, to figure money out, life out. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what that chapter is about. I love that. I love that you I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about the career versus child care yeah. dilemma as articulately as you have, like we, we focus so much on the superficial stuff. Like, yes, I have to pay for daycare and my entire paycheck is going there. That's not worth it for me, but you're right. There's so much more to that decision that so many people don't Intangibles, you know, totally. I love that. Is part of the solution to this whole process? Is it, we as moms need to just be better about asking for help as well. Is that part of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that's part of the mental load. Everyone's like, I don't want to ask for help. I want people to realize that I'm drowning and come help me. But, you know, I've kind of learned that, like, (laughs) it doesn't work like that. We have to we have to ask for it and schedule it. Um, I've had, you know, other mom friends are like, oh, I just did this. And this baby was screaming while I was at the dog. I'm like, why don't you just drop her off? Like, I'm just down the street. Why? I don't want to bother. You know, we don't even ask each other for help when we need it. Cause we want to feel, we want to seem like we have it all together and it's all going well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that is a part of it. I think, you know, we're getting increasingly more isolated, right? I mean, the last mm-hmm. year, of course, but you know, it's not very much like, Oh, it's a whole tribe and community raising all these kids. Like we're very isolated. We're very like on our devices in our homes that there's not a lot of a community anymore to help with these things and the social media pressure that like, of course, everyone else is parenting perfectly. So something must be wrong with oh, us, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause we're yep. screaming and telling someone to go upstairs and 
<laughs> no doubt your kids are banging um, on your window in an interview. Right. So <laughs> even if you are at the park, right, and you are with another mom, you are having community, you don't want to be like, wow, my kid really misbehaved today because you, you want to act like, you know, you had it together. So, yeah, it's challenging all around. Um, and, you know, it's with the child care thing, the asking for help, all of that, that's a big financial conversation too, right? And it's, I just want moms to just look into the numbers more. And I know that, you know, you can't, a lot of stay-at-home moms, you cannot replace, you know, being there when your kid takes their first steps, things like that. Sometimes you miss it anyway. <laughs> Even if you are home. home. <laughs> yeah, you know, you cannot predict those things. Um, but again, you don't want to, you know, give yourself that emotionally and then you could see all that, but then you have this immense stress, financial stress, because you decided to walk away from your income and you weren't ready to go down to one income. Um, so again, just like that preparation, communication, really knowing your money before you go into big decisions like that. I love this. And I know one of the ways I would love to wrap up this conversation is you are so passionate about making giving a huge part of your financial plan. And so Tell us a little bit about giving. Like, what does that look like when you maybe don't have a ton of money? How, yeah. how does it look? What, what what do you recommend there? Yeah. Oh, I love that you brought this up. Um, I think that the best time to give is when you feel like you can't. Again, you know, we're talking so much about mindset, so much how your brain works, how things are wired. And when you give, it sends a signal to your brain that, you know, you're okay, that you have enough. Mm -hmm. And when you're, even if, you know, it's $5 to somebody, it makes you feel good. And it just, again, it's, it's all about how you think about things and how you're sort of moving through life. It lets you know that, yeah, you know, things might be tough and yeah, you might have a lot of student loan debt, but like, you're okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you're doing fine. And um, one tip I gave in my book is to put a $20 bill in a little separate pocket of your wallet. And just knowing it's there makes you aware, and kind of opens your eyes like, who, like who's going to get it? And it's just cool. it's like, it's like your little giving pocket. And just knowing it's kind of there and hot, it like it makes you look for opportunities to help somebody. Like maybe someone forgot their wallet in the grocery store or like, you know, I don't know, you, you take your kids to ice cream with your friend and you can, you know, treat your friend and her kids, something like that. But I kind of like it because it puts giving in the forefront of your mind. And it, again, it puts you in that kind of good, abundant mindset with money, which trickles to all kinds of other things. And takes that pressure off of almost that selfish perspective of like the world is only about me. It, it helps you see that, you know, maybe there's something more than just us. Like <laughs> It's, it's yeah. nice. Yeah, more than likely, there's a lot of people doing better than you, but there are a lot of people doing worse than you. And so as long as you know, like, I'm okay today, and I, it wasn't much, but it helped out uh, this person, and, you know, it just kind of makes you smile throughout the I day. I love that. I think that's such a good point, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought this into the book and brought this to attention of why giving is so important. I think that's something very few people talk about. Yeah, well, I think people think that, oh, like, it doesn't matter in order to give, like, I have to be someone with my name on a building, or I have to donate thousands of dollars to charity, or have, like, certain accounts, like, to optimize my taxes for giving, and it's like, you know, like, just like anything else, you can, you can start small, it's not, it's not really about optimizing your taxes, it's about how it makes you feel, and how mm -hmm. it impacts your life, 
And yeah, I left that to the end of the book. I was just kind of like, you know, everything I've given you is kind of tactical and factual, but there's something I, I can't explain. It's like when you give something, you, you always get it back somehow. Uh, it's, it's weird. There's so many interesting stories about it, but you don't quite know when, but if you give with the expectation, with no expectations and no strings attached, it, it will come back around at some point. You will know, like it's connected. That's so beautiful. Kat, thank you so much for sharing this book with us and specifically for talking to moms directly. I think I'm, I'm glad you were persistent with that specific demographic because I think it's so critical for moms to have somebody talk to them that actually runs their own business and has twins for God's sake, like that's insane, but is doing all of this stuff from the trenches instead of, you know, 70 year old white male telling you why (laughs) it's so important to do this. stuff. It's just a very different message. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for supporting all the mamas out there too. Of course, friend. So on your website, katherinealford.com is where they can get the starter pack. That's going to have a budget spreadsheet a network tracker and some mindset work in there too. So that's all on your website. What's your Instagram handle? How do they go hang out with you there too? Uh, It's Catherine C. Alford on Instagram. So yeah, I'm hanging out there too. I love it. All right, friend, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fires? Okay. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Okay. First question for you. Where's one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, Antarctica. (gasps) Me too. (laughs) Really? Let's go. (laughs) Yes. What's the draw for you? I think it's just because I kind of want to hit all the continents and I don't know. I don't know if I want to go on like a research boat for like eight weeks, but I would like to see the penguins, you know, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like a bucket list checkbox. Me too. Fun. We need to go Let's together. Let's do it. It'll be us and a bunch of old dudes. I to a hundred percent. We'll so bring the boys to too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Tony's going to sit out. He hates that idea. <laughs> He's already really wants to go too, so I could take care of my guests. He'd be fun. Perfect. There we go. That'll be awesome. Okay. Next question for you. What's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? For the first time in my life, I bought living room furniture that was like new and not from Facebook Marketplace. Whoa. Yeah. It 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 makes me nervous still. It just happened last week and I'm like, (laughs) should I have done that? (laughs) Yes, you should have. I did though. And, uh, I think I've had like five couches in my life and all of them came from Craigslist or Facebook marketplace. It was first time someone came and put a new couch in my house. And I'm like, it felt so good leading up. And then I was like, that was really expensive. Should I have done that? <laughs> you know? But, um, but yeah, it, it's made my life better. It's very pretty in there now. I love that. Where'd you get the couch from? Our house. Oh yeah. They have cute yeah. stuff. They do. I love that. Okay. So next question for you. I am obsessed with morning and evening routines and it sounds like Mm. you're much more of an evening person. So what is your evening routine? Yeah, I I work a lot in the evenings. My husband usually has a lot of work in the evenings too. I'm not a big uh, TV watcher at all. Um, I usually just sit in my office and and work uh, next to my hubby. And sometimes I will take a nice bath a nice long bath and try and get into, into bed. But I have that little hatch alarm clock. Um, have you seen those like a smart alarm clock? It, it like plays nice music and it has like a light that lets you know your reading time. I try to get off my screen before bed so I can actually sleep. I've been very focused on sleep this year as again, mental health. Yay. Um, 
But yeah, I, it's not that big of a, a routine. I keep, I'm counting like after my kids go to bed. That's when my evening begins. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Which time do you typically go to bed? before that is just boring. Me, usually like 1030 or so. Okay, not bad. Yeah. I like it. All right. Yeah. Are you ready for the last question? Sure. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Oh, awareness. My husband just told me about someone this morning who went to go reactivate her gym membership and then realized she never actually quit her gym membership at $220 a month Equinox. And she just didn't know for like 18 months. And I'm like, how could you not know that? I was like on my gym. I'm like, you canceled this, right? Because you're not open, right? (laughs) I'm on you. Awareness. Just awareness, not only of the numbers, Whitney, but just of yourself. A lot of self-introspection, awareness of like what makes you you and how you were raised and what you were taught about money and why you do what you do. And just, you know, kind of going through life, being in touch with your own um, personality and tendencies and tying that into being aware of the numbers, too. I think that if you just pay attention just a little bit more, I think that's the secret for a lot of people to turn it around. I love that. Kat, what a great way to wrap up. Um, Thank you again for your time and for writing the book. Mom's Got Money is the book. Everybody should go get a copy. It's going to be linked in the show notes as well. Thank you again so much. It was so good to catch up with you. Yeah, it was so good. Thanks for having me, Whitney. All right. What'd you think? The part that really blew my mind was how many intangibles go into the decision whether you stay home with kids or you stay in your career. I really like Kat's point about there's really no right or wrong answer. It just depends on if you're looking at things a little bit more holistically. And I think she did a really good job illustrating what some of those other costs might be. I don't know. What was your takeaway? Tell me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. I'd love to see what your takeaways were and just see who's listening in. It's so fun to connect with you and get to meet you kind of virtually. All right. That is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.